I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Sports Saturday. Saturday, a presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. What is going on, Cougar Nation? Welcome into another edition of Cougar Sports Saturday. Got a great show planned for you guys today. Brett McMurphy. Oh, Brett McMurphy. He uh, he had uh, social media ablaze yesterday with a report about where the Pac-12 might look for their next media deal. He'll join us at 12.35 to break down just what is going on with the media rights situation. And specifically for us, how is that going to impact... The Big 12, how does that impact BYU? We'll break that down with Brett McMurphy coming up in 30 minutes. So uh, college football, guys, it's just become this thing where it's 24-7, 365. Even when you think things have settled in realignment and expansion, it's never settled. Along that note, Florida State is apparently unhappy in the ACC. Dennis Dodd was reporting earlier today that they are – estimating how much it would cost to get out of that crazy grant of rights in the ACC that goes through the mid-2030s, and they're angry that they're splitting the same amount of money with everyone else in the ACC. So even on the East Coast, there's rumblings of, of potential earthquakes in college football. So cannot wait to have Brett McMurphy on the program to help us make sense of what's happening in college football. BYU basketball tonight, their final home game as a member of the WCC they host San Francisco, and there's some potential seeding situations on the line tonight. So even though BYU basketball is on a bit of a skid, it is an important game at home in the Marriott Center. It's an 8 p.m. tip. You can hear that here on KSL News Radio. So we'll talk some basketball. We'll talk some football. There's some rule changes being proposed in college football that are very interesting. We'll break that down as well. So uh, plenty to discuss today on Cougar Sports Saturday. And we should note, no Mitch Harper today. If you listen to the show last week, he mentioned that he had a death in the family. His grandma passed away. He's attending to some family responsibilities. So uh, we wish the Harper family the best. Our condolences go to them. We'll miss Mitch. He'll be back next week, but he's taking some time off to be with family. Understandably so. So, hey, you're stuck with Matt Biamonte 
and producer Nate Slack. We're, we're giving it to you today on Cougar Sports Saturday. Let's start, uh, start things off with uh, the biggest story relating to BYU. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. Oh, how the tables have turned. BYU, their situation is secure. It is comfortable in the Big 12. They'll become a full member on July 1st, 2023. And they have got to be feeling good knowing that going into this new conference, there's uh, 12 teams. You've got a new media rights deal with Fox and ESPN. You know how that's going to play out. You're going to be making more money than you've ever made. That's going to fuel recruiting. That's going to fuel uh, program enhancements. It's just going to make life so much easier for BYU. And for the better part of 10 years, BYU fans, BYU athletes, BYU administrators, you know, we're kind of the the front of a lot of jokes. Oh, you're independent. You don't make a lot of money. Well, now how the tables have turned because the Pac-12 is in a dire situation So there's a lot to unpack with what's happening in the Pac-12, and it does have an impact on the Big 12. So we're going to break it down from every angle, and I want to hear from you guys too. BYU fans, text us, 57500. I kind of want to know, are are BYU fans taking a victory lap here, even though they've never played a game in the Big 12? Are they just loving what's happening with the Pac-12, where they have no idea where their, their next meteorites deal is going to come from? There's rumors galore out there. And again, we're going to break this down with Brett Murphy in in 20 minutes. So I got to believe that BYU fans are just loving life. They're making as much money as they've ever made. They're in the best situation that they've ever been in as a program in terms of security in place in college sports. And meanwhile, their rival, who has been to the Rose Bowl for a couple years in a row now, never won the Rose Bowl, but they have been there a couple times in a row they don't know what's going to happen next. And, and is this the fracturing to a point of the Pac-12 where it's going to break up, teams are going to go different ways, and, and what does that mean? So for the longest time, BYU was, what's next for us? Where are we going to be? That's how Utah is sitting right now. So i got to believe BYU fans out there are just loving what's happening with the Pac-12. 57500. I'd be happy to read your text. Love to get your thoughts on what's happening. But here is what is happening. So... I think we need to go back to what happened with the Big 12 about a year ago. So nearly two years ago, BYU was invited. This would have been in the fall of 2021. Bob Bowlesby invites BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston. They become new members because Texas and Oklahoma leave to go to the SEC. And credit to Bob Bowlesby. He's probably the savior for BYU Athletics. BYU, uh, Cougar fan should never say a bad word about Bob's Bowlesby because he acted swiftly and invited BYU and those other teams and then really shortly after said, hey, I'm done. I'm old. It's time to move on. And the Big 12 went out there and got Brett Yormark. Brett Yormark did not have a history in college sports. He was with the Brooklyn Nets. He, he was a business guy, and he comes in to run the Big 12. Kind of similar to what the Pac-12 had done when Larry Scott left and they brought in George Klyovkov. Also not big in college athletics. Like 
These weren't athletic directors that were then promoted to commissioners. No, these were outside guys coming in to run college sports. And Brett Yormark has just beaten George Klyovkov to every punch. It's really remarkable how much better of a job Yormark has done for the Big 12 than Klyovkov of the Pac-12. And swiftly and quickly, Yormark secured a future for the Big 12 by renegotiating their media rights deal. And their deal was set to expire a year later than the Pac-12. So this could have very well been the Pac-12. It's not inconceivable to say that the Pac-12 could have negotiated early and got the deal that the Big 12 got with Fox and ESPN. And those are the two big players in terms of viewing college football. However, the Pac-12, they thought that, uh, they could get $40 million. Even after USC and UCLA bolted the Big 10, they feel like they could get a bigger number. And because of their unrealistic expectation of what the remaining teams are worth, it's made things difficult. And that's why I think we're starting to see a lot of the reports we saw this week. So here's what we've seen in the past week or so. Apple TV. They're interested. We've heard that Amazon has been in talks with the Pac-12. And then things came to a head yesterday between Brett McMurphy and Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. Brett McMurphy reports that the Ion company is interested in doing business with the Pac-12. I've never heard of these guys. And then shortly after, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic says that's not true. So... We have to ask ourselves, as sports fans, why is this information coming out? Why does the New York Post release that Apple TV is interested? Why does Brett McMurphy of the Action Network report that a company named Ion is interested? And then why does Stuart Mandel come out and say, that's not true, they've never been interested, there's no talks between the conference and the network? I think the reason that information is getting out is because the Pac-12 is scrambling to figure out what is next because they are realizing that money is not going to be what they thought it was going to be. And by leaking discussions with Apple, with Amazon, with Ion, leaking all these things, they're trying to either drive up the price for an Amazon or an Apple to re-engage Fox and ESPN, which, by the way, Fox and ESPN have no... They, there's no incentive for them to get on board with the Pac-12 other than... Maybe they need games in the late window, which is where Pac-12 after dark, we know that's been a thing. There is a need for some games in the late windows, and the Pac-12 has been supplying those. BYU has been as well. But because BYU is now in the Big 12, there's an opportunity for ESPN Fox to get some of those later games with with BYU now. Anytime BYU is playing a home game, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw those in the later window for ESPN or for Fox. So, the Pac-12 is, is, is reeling. And what does this mean for the Big 12? Why is this important for the Big 12? Well, Brett Yormark has made it clear they wanted to secure the future of the conference by uh, securing a buyout with Texas and Oklahoma. That's been done. Those teams are leaving next year. They want to secure the future of the conference with a new media rights deal. Check. That is done. And then he wanted to expand if it makes sense. And that's the big question here. Does it make sense? The Pac-12 is certainly in choppy waters right now. ASU's uh, AD, Ray Anderson, has been quoted this week saying, we're managing the situation by being patient. 
and letting the process with our new commissioner take its course. It's been challenging. It's been frustrating. I don't think anybody can deny that. The meteorites deal may not be the projections originally contemplated, but will it be solid enough to keep the financial situation and to keep this conference together? That was Arizona State's athletic director, Ray Anderson. There are leaks galore coming out of the Pac-12 because I think there's a lot of teams that are are worried about the future of the conference in terms of money. Because you see what the Big Ten gave out to, to USC and UCLA. They're doubling, even tripling their value in media rights deals. And if you can't even match what the Big 12 got, you know, mid-30s, that's a problem. And the, I think the reason it's a problem, one, it's I do think there's an element of pride at play here. Because if you could still get a couple million below the Big 12, if you're still rolling in 30 million a year, 28 million a year, you can run an athletic program off that. Easy. You can recruit well with that. You can improve facilities. That's not a big deal. But it looks bad knowing that you make the least amount of money of all the power conferences. So the Big 12 has to ask themselves, is it worth trying to expand and grab some teams from the Pac-12? And it's not as as cut and dry as you might think. Because I think there's a, a, a large section of fans in this state that think, let's get Utah, let's get the Arizona schools. Well, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Texter uh, 1217 says, I do not want to see Utah in the Big 12. Leave those arrogant Utes in the Pac-12, if there even is a Pac-12, to leave them in. I think I'm in, I'm in the camp with this texter. I don't want to see Utah in here either, and here's why. The Big 12 has secured a really nice future, primarily built on the, the schools that were disrespected in the Big 12 that stayed. They wanted to have stability. They did not want to be in the situation that Utah is currently in today. And they go out and grab BYU and Cincy and UCF and Houston, all teams that have been left out for a long time. They're now in. That new 12-team league in the Midwest, the Big 12, they are committed to each other. They're loyal. And that could change. Maybe Oklahoma State or Baylor or somebody down the road says, we're worth more, we want to leave. But I get the sense that this new Big 12, they're loyal, they're committed. They do not want to be in the business of every year. There's rumors, what's happening here. They just want to have a stable environment and enjoy that and build good programs and play good sports. That's the sense that I get. If you're not going to get that from teams in the in the Pac-12, you don't bring them in. And I don't know if you would get that from Utah. I think you would certainly get it from Oregon State. I think you would get it from Washington State. You might get it from Arizona. You might get it from a Cal, a Colorado. I don't think you're getting it from Utah. I don't think you're getting it from Washington. I don't think you're getting it from Oregon. And those are three of the best football programs in the Pac-12. And you'd love to have those teams play in the Big 12 because it would enhance the brand of football. But if they're not going to be committed to the conference, then I'm not interested in them. So I'm I'm a 12-17. I don't want to see Utah in there because I, I don't trust them. After everything that went down 10, 15 minutes ago, or t- 10 or 15 years ago with the first wave of expansion, I don't know if I can trust Utah. Let's get into that more. What should the Big 12 do? with the Pac-12 meteorite situation seemingly spiraling out of control. We'll continue that discussion, Texas 57500. Uh, We'll touch on that after this break.
Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday. Matt Biamonte uh, riding solo with producer Nate Slack. No Mitch Harper today. He's uh, off on family uh, responsibilities. So condolences to the Harper family for the loss of Mitch's grandmother last week. And he's with his family. So we wish them the best. But the show rolls on. And we're going to talk college football expansion. We're getting some texts here. We'll get to those in a minute. We're discussing this situation that really uh, reached a peak yesterday, I think, with the Pac-12 media rights. When Brett McMurphy, he's, he's our next guest. We're talking with Brett in 10 minutes. Brett McMurphy said this yesterday. Apple TV still has not made a formal offer for Pac-12's media rights, but Ion Television has emerged as a potential Pac-12 partner. Who the heck is Ion Television? It's owned by EW Scripps Company, which has 61 local TV stations nationwide, and they launched something called Scripps Sports earlier this year. Stuart Mandel went on to refute that report of The Athletic, saying that is not accurate, so we've got a he-said-she-said situation going on. And why do BYU fans give a rip about this? One, I think BYU fans feel like me, and I wonder if – Producer Nate Slack feels the same way. But it's kind of, I don't know, it's all the verbal abuse that BOU fans have taken for 10 years. It just feels good to know that we were made fun of for so long. You're independent. You don't make any money. You're not at the big boys' table. You're not playing in the Rose Bowl. You're not in the granddaddy of them all. Hey, we're in the Big 12, baby. And our future is secure, and it's 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 a great feeling. I'm not going to deny. And I think the other part of it, too, where BYU fans need to care, Nate, is what does the Big 12 do? They're clearly, best-case scenario, the third-best Power 5 conference, and that is you can heavily debate that. ACC has a case, and honestly, whether you hate them or not, the Pac-12 has had some good success. They're not garbage. So I think all three of those conferences can make a case they're the third best. But if you go out and grab a few of them, I think you make a great case to be that third best conference positioned for long-term security and for stability, which I think a lot of these teams, if you're not Ohio State, Alabama, USC, like they're always going to be wanted. Oregon State's not going to be desired. Kansas State, not a lot of desire. I think you're you're looking for stability. So this is what I think the Big 12 should do. I think they got to go and grab some teams from the Big 12. I think they have to. They got to get to 16. The SEC is at 16, and the Big 10 is at 16. Go be the third conference to get to 16. Because there is a world, and I think a lot of us have seen this down the road, that... It's just going to be three or four 16-team leagues, and they're going to break away from everyone else and do their thing. If you become the third league to 16, I think it becomes much more likely that you can move into that next wave, whatever the top tier of college sports is, rather than being picked apart and then maybe be used back to where they were. You don't want that to happen. But as I mentioned in the last segment, you have to bring in the right teams. Who are the right teams that want stability, that want to be a part of a conference where there aren't people doing back-channeling conversations and trying to leave people in the dust. I think in a perfect world, 
you'd get Arizona and Arizona State. It'd be nice to have that rivalry. It'd be nice to have all of Arizona come with you. That gets you to 14. And then you're really splitting hairs. I think there's been a lot of four corners talk. That's not for me. I don't buy that at all. I would, Colorado to me is actually maybe the most desired team that I think the Big 12 should go after. They left the Big 12, so maybe there's some bitterness there. Get over it. Bring them on back. It has nothing to do with Prime. Bring them on back. So you get Colorado. If you get the Arizona schools, great. And then it's Oregon State or Washington State. I don't really care. Whoever says yes first. Uh, you know, we made a joke off the air. I'm like, Dark Knight's one of my favorite movies. I love The Dark Knight. Heath Ledger, Christian Bale. There's a scene in The Dark Knight where the Joker's trying to recruit to his his group and he breaks a pool stick in half and says you two fight it out whoever comes whoever comes out of the room is is joining me that that's kind of how i feel about oregon oregon state and washington state whoever it is and and there's your four and utah gets left behind is utah better than oregon state and washington state yeah they are but they concern me about a desire to go to the to the big 10 and there's just no value add someone just texted in and, and i thought it was a good text there's no value add, says this texter, 1138, because they're they're just a regional commodity. They're not a they're not a national draw, and they're not. You're already getting this market with BYU. Adding Utah only gives you the rivalry. It doesn't give you a new time zone. It doesn't give you a a, a ravenous fan base that's going to travel all across the Big 12. It's not. The Pac-12 conference is not known for showing up in droves unless it's the Pac-12 representation in the Rose Bowl. Utah fans go to the Rose Bowl. Do you see Utah fans going to Corvallis? Not that many. So I agree with that texture. They're they're a regional commodity. So I wouldn't do it. 6357 also says, and you can text us 57500, adding Utah to the Big 12 will not add enough new viewers to make it worthwhile. I'm not as high on the whole viewership angle, personally speaking. I know that there's a lot of, well, you got to be on linear TV, you got to be on Fox or ESPN because that's where the viewers are. I don't know. I don't think that's a big deal, but we got to get to a break. So we'll take the break. News, traffic, and weather. Brett McMurphy, we're going to be talking college football expansion all day long. 57500, text us. Brett McMurphy next here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday, right here on KSL News Radio, each and every Saturday, noon to three, breaking down college football and BYU. And right now, we want to get out to the phone line and bring on Brett McMurphy. He's a college football insider with the Action Network, and he's well connected within the world of college football. And Brett, it seems like college football these days, it's it's 24-7. 365, uh, doesn't feel like there's much of an offseason. And, and even right now, uh, 
like in years past, it feels like expansion, media rights, or these are stories that never go away. And before we get into what's going on with the Pac-12, I got to ask you, how did the Pac-12 even get in this situation to where they're trying to figure out what's next for the conference? You know, it, uh, with everything related to conference realignment, it's it's really timing. And, um, you know, that dictates a lot what happens with these conferences. Uh, you know, going back even further, you know, in the ACC and the Big East, we're kind of battling to to be the avoid being the worst of the automatic six qualifying conferences. Uh, the ACC made some moves and, you know, the Big East uh, football, may it rest in peace, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And now you kind of you see the same thing happen with the Big 12 and the Pac-12. And I think what happened was Brett Yormark, um, you know, made a gamble. But it's paid off. He moved their media rights up for the Big 12 a year early. Some people thought he got less money. Um, I would say he basically got the same amount of money without OU in Texas. And that was a major victory. But a lot of people said, well, you left money on the table. Maybe so. But what he did is he secured the future of the conference for the next half dozen years. And also, he I don't think he knew this was going to happen, but he also capped the value of the Pac-12. And then since the Pac-12 decided to wait, it didn't get anything done. Now you've seen have seen some financial difficulties with ESPN and streaming services. And so now the money that was there six, three, six, nine months ago is no longer available because of what's happened to these companies financially. And so that kind of puts the Pac-12 in a in a challenging position right now. And then they've also got the uncertainty of what's going to happen with Oregon and Washington. Is the Big Ten going to ex- still expand? I, People I talk to still tell me the Big Ten is still going to expand. Now, it may not happen in two weeks or two months, but it could happen in a, in a couple of years. And that obviously will impact the, the future of the Pac-12. So, you know, it, it's funny. If the Pac-12 would have done their deal, earlier before the big 12 we may be discussing what's going on with the big 12 right now but unfortunately for the pac 12 it it, uh, it didn't work out for them but we'll have to see where they end up you touched on brett mark your mark who's coming up uh you know really it's only been like what six months since he's been on the job what do you make of the job that he's done you're not coming from a college background but as you mentioned you know maybe securing the future of the big 12 what do you make of the job he's done so far yeah, well, I mean, you just look at what he's done, and it's been it's been remarkable. I mean, you know, again, get, go back, and I know, you know, you got BYU. I don't <clears throat> I don't remember the timeline of BYU. Well, obviously, BYU had not been invited to the Big Twelve yet. But when OU and Texas, you know, announced they were leaving the league, you know, it was like, oh, the Big Twelve's gone. It's going to collapse. What's left? There's nothing there. And you know, your mark comes in. And, you know, Big 12 adds BYU, obviously, and, and the three American schools. And then he gets a new media rights deal. Again, it, it's the same amount per school that it was with OU in Texas. So that was huge for the league to create the stability for the league. I think one thing that has helped Brett Yormark and the Big 12, and look, I'm an Oklahoma State guy, so if I'm going to diss the conference, <laughs> that's coming from one of their own. I think right. one of the reasons that the Big 12 kind of has security right now when we talk about the Pac-12 doesn't is because, to be very honest, nobody wants any of the Pac- of the Big 12 schools. The Big 10 doesn't want any. The SEC got Oklahoma and Texas. 
the ACC, they're kind of in their own little gated community, all trying to, to tunnel out underneath and get to other conferences. So they don't want any big 12 schools. So kind of because of that, the fact that it's kind of funny or ironic, nobody wants the big 12 schools. They actually are more stable than the Pac-12. Um, but certainly your, what your mark did with the TV deal with getting, obviously adding BYU is huge, adding UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati is huge. Um, and then being able to negotiate the buyout with Oklahoma and Texas for them to get out a year early. You know, some people think, oh, you should have made them stay another year. I, I don't agree with that. If, if, you know, if you're in a relationship and you decide, hey, it's over, um, no one says, okay, you're, you're moving out in three and a half years. You know, so <laughs> right. it's best for parties to split as soon as possible. But, but your Mark's done, a, done an unreal job and he's not shy. He's a Newark guy. And he's been very vocal. I don't think the Big 12 is done expanding. Now, I think a lot of that depends on what happens with the Pac-12. But certainly, if some Pac-12 schools become available, the Big 12 will certainly uh, be reaching out to them. And maybe the league grows to, to 16 schools. We're speaking with Brett McMurphy. He's a college football insider with the Action Network. And you can follow him on Twitter at Brett underscore McMurphy. You touched on the Big 12 maybe not being done expanding. We know that Brett Yormark has said publicly that he's going to be aggressive. What do you think the next moves for the Big 12 should be if they're going to expand? Well, I think, you know, I think right now they're they're fine to stay where they're at and see what happens with the, with the Pac-12. If, you know, it may depend on the Big 10 making the first move and grabbing Oregon and Washington. And then if that happens, I think it seems pretty obvious at this point the Big 12 would then look at Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Another possibility is, you know, we're still waiting to see what happens with the Pac-12 grant of rights. You know, I reported a couple weeks ago, CBS and Turner are no longer involved. Sports business, or The New York Post reported it could be Apple that gets the deal. Um, ultimately, if the Pac-12 deal is, you know, substantially less than what the big 12 got. And again, it depends on your definition of substantially. Is that 2 million? Is that 5 million? Is that 10 million? I don't know. That's up to those PAC 12 schools. But if it is less than what the big 12 got, then maybe some of those PAC 12 schools would look to come join the big 12. So I think, you know, what he should do and what he can do are probably two different things. And it ultimately, I think depends on a, if the Big Ten does anything, grabs, you know, plucks any more teams out west to join USC and UCLA, and B, um, what the grant of rights deal is with the Pac-12 and what it's worth, I think that will that will ultimately decide if, if the Big 12 goes beyond uh, 12 and adds those Pac-12 schools. I do know this. There's been reports that the Big 12 has been talking to Fresno State. Uh, look. You know, you and I are talking. That doesn't mean we're married or we're going to be married. Um, Everybody talks to everybody in college athletics these days. The Big 12 is not adding Fresno State. It's not adding UNLV. It's not adding it's not it's not adding any group of five. If the Big 12 expands, it will be by adding current power five members, obviously, from the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has looked, you know, talked with, visited. You know, you just broke it down perfectly. They're, they're talking with a lot of people, but I think a, a lot of people in the college football world think that San Diego State makes a lot of sense 
for Pac-12. Would there be any value from a Big 12's perspective in, in trying to grab maybe a SMU or a San Diego State and to kind of handicap the Pac-12, or is that just not make any sense in your opinion? Not really, because and this isn't this isn't a you know this isn't to be derogatory against San Diego State or SMU, but you know, quite frankly, the Big Twelve doesn't doesn't need them over the Pac-12 schools. Um, there's a reason that they don't have SMU right now. They're they're already well represented in the state of Texas, TCU, Tech, Baylor. They just added Houston. Adding another Texas school does not do anything for them. Um, you know, San Diego State is a little bit different in that you would get the Southern California market. However, it still is, you know, considered a group of five school. And again, this is based on, this is not my opinion. This is based on what the TV networks deem these schools their value as. Um, obviously, BYU as a national brand, they bring a lot of value to the Big 12 market in the Big Big 12 TV deal. San Diego State, though, yeah, they're in they're in Southern California, but they're not the top team in that market. So, um, you know, I don't think it necessarily would be smart for the Big 12 to go get San Diego State. I think they need to wait and see what happens with uh, the rest of the Pac-12. Now, if you tell me that the Pac-12 stays at 10 schools and they don't add San Diego State and the Big 12 is at, at 12, um, then maybe you may look at them, but really, I, I think they would be fine to stay at twelve. I also feel like you know there, there's been reports that you know your mark has talked to Gonzaga that that's a possibility. I, I you know my opinion on Gonzaga, I don't think Big Twelve should add them. The, the basketball league is already insane. Um, right. If you're able to get it, if you, I mean, if you're able to get Arizona in that mix, it's only just going to get crazier. And then plus. You know, what happens with Gonzaga after Mark Few leaves? He's not going to coach there forever. And it, I compare that to Brad Stevens at Butler. Any any basketball conference would have killed to have Butler. But Butler is not the same without Brad Stevens. Mark Few, when he leaves Gonzaga, is not Gonzaga is not going to be the same. They'll still be successful, but they're not going to be the team they are, the program they are now. And um, also just their – you know, I know geography doesn't seem to matter anymore in conference realignment, but they're kind of way up there, you know, in the in the top or up left the corner of your map. So I just I don't think, you know, for me, if I was commissioner, I would I would kind of sit back on Gonzaga and you've got you've got bigger priorities than to try to bring them in as a basketball only member. One more question here for Brett McMurphy, the college football insider with the Action Network. This would be like a sort of an on-the-field question, even though we're months and months away from playing football on the field. And here in Utah, we just got blasted with a huge snowstorm, so we don't feel like football is anywhere <laughs> around the corner. But the Big 12 has been an interesting conference uh, recently in terms of just feels like you never know who's going to jump up and and win the league. Like Kansas State won the league this year, but TCU was the story going to the national championship game. And before that, Baylor really turned things around quickly under Dave Aranda. Now they add the four new teams, including BYU. How do you think this conference will shake out this year with the new members? And, and maybe a side note to that, where do you think BYU fits in their first year in this new power league? Well, last year, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't really like to pat myself on the back, but I'll make an exception. I actually, uh, I actually picked TCU as one of my, as in my dark horse to win the league. Now, that sounds great, except, you know, I'm sure your listeners will say, well, you're not that smart because they didn't win the league. And you're right, Kansas State won the league. Um, 
you know, it's funny since since Oklahoma and Texas announced they're leaving the SEC, who has been in the Big 12 title game? Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Kansas State, four different teams. I honestly have no idea how this season will will um will play out. And I, I say this jokingly, but I, I'm I'm serious. Bef- whenever we do I do my prediction shows uh this summer for the Action Network, for our podcast and online and different things. I'm literally going to pick two names out of a hat because I will have as good a chance to to pick who's in it, going to play in the Big 12 title game than if I sit here and break down everything. I think that's how competitive the league will be. I think that's how evenly balanced it is. Um, you know, I think BYU is going to do well. I, certainly they they are different than, I think, the uh, the American schools where the American schools, they would play one or two power five teams out of league. And then, you know, they have some tomato cans in conference play where, you know, you know, this, B, I mean, BYU had, you know, they had some tomato cans, but they also had, you know, up to five power five schools or more. Um, so they know what it's like week in, week out to play that type of type of competition. Um, so I think I think BYU is going to do very well. They could, yeah. The good news is, like everyone else, they could win the thing or they could finish uh, near the bottom. But uh, right. I think it's going to be just fascinating to to follow this league, and um, it's really going to be competitive. Now, hopefully, you know everybody doesn't beat each other up and eliminate the champion from the college football playoff. Obviously, TCU was able to to you know kind of navigate the league last year. Um, if you're looking for a dark horse. Uh, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Uh, I've I've got them in my way too early top 25 rankings. They return a, a ton of folks, and they kind of remind me of of TCU last year. They're unbelievable on offense. Um, yeah, I'm not telling your listeners anything, but that's that's what uh, BYU fans will enjoy is a lot of offense uh, in this league. When you got like you know you got Sunny Dykes and TCU, you got Texas Tech running one of the fastest pace offenses in the country, um, you know, Gundy at Oklahoma state, you know, it's just, it, it's entertaining. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you guys are, are pumped about this. I know, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it kind of mixed emotions because you guys don't call me anymore to ask me about conference realignment. I know. In the big 12 anymore. It's like, I don't know if it's something I said or you guys don't like me anymore, but I guess we'll just move on and hopefully we'll still be friends. You'll still write, and send me a postcard, but no, seriously. Um, yeah. I look BYU. I'm, I'm dead serious. They could finish anywhere in this league, but I would say that about anybody in this league. I don't think there's a clear cut favorite. Texas will get a lot of preseason pub. Surprise, surprise. We never see that. Um, will, will Texas really be back? Who knows? Oklahoma's fighting to keep their head above water with with Brent Venables. I think it's just going to be a fascinating year. And uh, you know, hey, the good news is you guys know where you're at now. You don't have to you don't have to worry about where all the dominoes are going to fall. And so that's that's got to be just a new mindset for also just the entire BYU program. And I think I talked with you guys about that before is I thought that was the biggest challenge for BYU as an independent is you basically know before the season, you're, you're either going to the national champ, you're either going to the playoff or the independence bowl. And the problem is once you lose that first game, you know, you're going to the independence bowl. Now you can go 10 and two and you may have a shot at, at a, at a conference championship and or college football playoff, especially when we go to, to the 12 team playoff uh, in 2024. 
Well said, Brett. And uh, yeah, I think we're all happy over here that we don't have to ask you the uh, when will it happen questions anymore. But I know the <laughs> listeners love your dark horse pick, especially the fact that they're visiting BYU this year. BYU is a, a, you know, the fans are just stoked about the schedule. Tech coming to Provo, Oklahoma, Texas, you know, starting at Kansas. I, I think BYU did very well in the schedule, uh, in the schedule department for their first year. And, and I think I speak for all BYU fans. We'd love it if Texas Tech was the dark horse. Having them come to Provo midway through the year would be awesome. Yeah, well, I can if if any BYU fans make the trip to uh, Stillwater at that uh, November twenty fifth game at Oklahoma State, I got two recommendations. You got to you okay. got to hit Hideaway Pizza and then uh, Eskimo Joe's uh, for their cheese fries. Both are like literally a mile from uh, mile from the stadium. So uh, if you guys are used to the cold. It'll be cold in Stillwater, but um, yeah, they just I, I'm sure I'm sure you guys are are geeked up to be able to go go to some of these uh, venues you haven't been at before, and also um, also to have some of these schools, you know, now they can't avoid BYU. Now they actually have to come and play uh, play there right in the shadow of the of the mountains and stuff. So yeah, it'll it'll be really cool. Looking forward to it. He is Brett McMurphy, the college football insider with the Action Network. You can follow him on Twitter, Brett underscore McMurphy. And and, and wh- where can they get your podcast, Brett? Uh, just at at the Action Network. Um, it's a Action Network. You can get the free app or actionnetwork.com. And uh, we usually get that going, uh, obviously, a lot closer to football season. Yep. Um, but, yeah, pretty much if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you know, I'll link all this stuff all of the information there, but, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I, I know I was joking earlier, but no, I really, uh, you know, enjoyed talking to you guys throughout the year and we'll just keep talking. It'll just be, we'll be breaking down the big 12 instead of, are we getting into the big 12? How about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I'm looking forward to that. that sounds great, Brett. Uh, maybe after spring ball and rosters get a little more set, we can talk some, uh, you know, some more football as we get closer to uh, the 2023 season. Sounds great. Hey, Brett, thank you. Take care. Thanks again to Brett McMurphy. He reported yesterday as well, not only Apple TV, Amazon, others, but Ion Television in the mix as well for the Pac-12. And I just feel like, Nate, as more and more leaks and rumors come out, it it doesn't lead to anything good. Like when, when all this information is coming out that maybe you don't want out, that to me spells signs of, dissatisfaction within the conference. Maybe it's individual schools leaking it. Maybe the Pac-12 is leaking it to increase the price. And if you're trying to get a deal with a company like Apple, sorry, leaking other interested companies, interested in air quotes, it's not going to drive up the price on Apple or Amazon. It's just the tactics here are bizarre. And it just makes you wonder what the Big 12 is thinking. What do you think the Big 12 should do? You know, uh, it's so nice right now because I trust Brett Yormark and and the things that he's done in this short time as commissioner. I think he's he's got a plan, and whether that be to poach somebody like an Arizona, Arizona State, I think the door's opening for that. Um, I, I would even be open to him getting a Washington State or Oregon State just because I think that's going to handicap the Pac-12 and what they can do going forward. And because I trust Yormark, I'm taking this time to sit back and relax and enjoy my time. I know you're a Utah Valley guy. I'm a Salt Lake Valley guy. So I grew up with Utah fans. 
all around me in middle school and high school growing up. So you're loving it. I'm loving it. And I, and I, I know the stresses that they're going through because we went through the same stresses for a decade. <laughs> so this is my time to sit back, have Brett do his work, and uh, just enjoy the ride. <laughs> I think BYU fans echo that sentiment. Enjoying the ride, knowing that uh, this fall they'll be playing in the Big 12 and they're not worried about who's leaving, where the money's coming from. It's all secure. For BYU. Taking a break here, news, traffic, and weather. We'll keep talking about expansion BYU football on the other side. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte, on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday. We do this every Saturday all year long, breaking down BYU sports. We have a blast, and uh, it's Matt Biamonte here riding solo with producer Nate Slack. Mitch Harper not here today. He has the day off uh, attending his grandma's funeral. He talked about this last week at the end of the show, but his uh, we know his grandma had a, a tremendous impact on his life, especially as a BYU fan, and uh, he's away with his family. So we uh, condolences to the Harper family. We wish him the best. We'll, we'll have Mitch back next week for a spring football extravaganza as we get ready for spring football. Cannot wait. Uh, so maybe we'll save some spring football stuff till next week for Mitch. But the off-seasons in college football, Nate, are they're out of control right now. It's crazy that there are this many stories. We're talking about expansion, and we're talking about media rights deals. Think about that. We're not talking about the game. We're not talking about transfers. We're not talking about coaches. We're talking about money and TV. That's what college sports has become, all about money. And the Pac-12 story, it really is all about the mishandling of money and the the empty promises and how that can wreck a conference. Larry Scott was maybe the worst commissioner that we've ever seen in college athletics. He did a lot of things poorly. The Pac-12 network has been a... It's been dead weight for for a while. It's definitely not viewed as an asset. The way that he spent money was reckless. They move on to George Klyovkov, and he comes in. Poor George. I, w- I wish someone could have pulled him aside and tell him, hey, there's this little metaphor in life. It's not even a metaphor. There's a saying in life that is always true. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. It is. It's a simple one. But, boy, if you live by this principle, it will save you a lot of pain and heartache. It is over uh under promise over deliver yeah and it's it's crazy because i was listening to a, a interview that i believe it was john wilner had with uh with ksl sports on yesterday with the scotty hands and he's talking about how how there are differences between uh Klyavkov and uh and brett yormark and how they came in at different spots but if you compare the two ways that they've gone about getting TV rights deals or or expansion, it's completely different. So you've, you've got the Pac-12 who's ready to go in for their media rights deal first, and then 
the Big 12 undercuts them and get, it gets a deal with ESPN and Fox and, and solidifies their conference. And they, they took less than what people probably thought they, they should have had, but it was to solidify the conference. And I think the, the approach that the Pac-12 has gone with seeking out more money, kind of what you touched on, is is hurting them in other ways because now you've got teams, you know, you, you talked about the Arizona State athletic director to start out the show and how he's not super impressed with their with their negotiations right now and it just feels like the whole conference is on rocks and it's crazy when you think about different sources coming out and you we just heard Brett McMurphy and he he comes out yesterday and says that the Pac-12 is looking at possibly showing their games on Ion TV and who knows what Ion TV is? I don't and. Then you have an hour later, Stuart Mandel coming out saying, hey, the Pac-12 sources are telling me that that isn't true. So it's it's just crazy. You've got a whole bunch of different people giving different information. And, and they're not just just people, you know. It's Stuart Mandel and Brett, Brett McMurphy, two of the biggest analysts in college football right now. So it's it's just crazy. It's it's Who knows what's going to happen? But regardless, it's, it's nice to have BYU in a comfortable spot right now, a spot where they know – they're going to be heading into the, the Big 12. They're, the future is bright, and they seem to be in control of, of what their situation is. Some people driving around are probably wondering, why are we talking about this? Who gives a rip? If the Pac-12 implodes, that's great. Here's why I think BYU fans should care. There's two reasons. Number one, Nate, learn from the Pac-12's mistakes. Not too long ago, Big 12 teams were reaching out to the Pac-12 looking to jump in there and get stabilized. The Pac-12 didn't want to expand with them at that time and become a super league. Have they done that? We're having a we're not even having this conversation, quite frankly. So, yeah. I think the lesson to be learned from there from the Big 12 is if you leave the Pac-12 alive, who knows what can happen down the road? Who would have thought this morning that Florida State would be threatening to leave the ACC? Yeah. Florida State has done nothing in a long time, and here they are flexing on the ACC. Like things can change in a hurry. There could be a day down the road, or if you, if the Pac-12 is alive, that they grab some Big Twelve teams that are unhappy. I don't know. Maybe Baylor and TCU, or you just don't know. When there's opportunities to eliminate a competitor, I think you have to do it. I hate even saying that in college sports because that's not that's not what college sports is supposed to be about, eliminating other teams and conferences, but that's what it's become because of TV money. I think the second thing, why this would affect BYU, is who do you want in the league? That is a really interesting proposition. I think most BYU fans don't want Utah in the league. I definitely do not want Utah in the league. And... Is it a little bit of spite? Yeah, it is, actually. Quite a bit of spite. I think a lot of BYU fans feel disrespected from how it went down back in the late 2000s. Yeah, absolutely. Because BYU, this has been well documented, for decades and decades, BYU and Utah, from BYU's perspective, I can't speak for Utah's perspective, I don't know, but from BYU's perspective in the way that they behaved, informing the Mountain West in all key decisions they made, I don't know, from like what, the 80s and 90s and 2000s? BYU and Utah, we're a thing. We're partners. We want to do this together. When they formed the Mountain West, they were the teams that drove that. 
to leave the WAC and go to the Mountain West. And when Utah left them high and dry, it's not that Utah left them behind. It's that Utah didn't advocate for them. It's that Utah didn't seemingly care what happened to BYU. Because if the roles were reversed back then, I believe BYU would have fought tooth and nail to have Utah come with them. That did not happen when Utah went to the Pac-12. And we've seen further evidence of that since. In football, primarily. Even basketball. Oh, we're offended. We're going to cancel the game. We're going to pay it out because we think Nick Emery's a punk. Or in football. Oh, yeah, the Michigan Wolverines called. They're interested in playing, so, you know, whatever. See ya. All Knowing that BYU needed those games. In the early parts of Independence, BYU needed that Utah game. Utah didn't need them. BYU needed them. And Utah didn't give a rip. And so that's why I'm in the position today of saying as a, as a you know, from the outside looking in, I don't want Utah because I just want to stick it to them from what happened back in 2009. And then after you get past the spite, it doesn't make sense from a value perspective. It, it, just, it just doesn't make sense. The, the football program is great, and it would add value, and you'd have the rivalry game, sure. But you don't need the market. They don't bring anything in basketball. Uh, so I just feel like why bring them in? Why have the headaches when there's other teams that – do they have lesser football programs? Yes, they do, but they're not going to be as much of a headache as Utah would be. Yeah, and I think the only thing Utah would bring to the conference uh, is, from a BYU's perspective, is the rivalry. And and rivalries are what makes college sports so so much fun. But there's still rivalries that are played outside of conference. You got Clemson and South Carolina that comes to mind, um, and then of course there's always like Florida State, Florida. Um, but it's 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 exactly what you said about what happened ten years ago. How Utah didn't just, you know, push BYU down to out onto the street. They they tried to stomp. They them tried down. to burn their house down for heaven's sakes. Yeah, there was a there was a story that came out from Vanquish the Foe this last week from uh, analyzing uh, an article or a, a, an article from the Athletic. Uh, Chris Viani talked about how Utah when when they found out what BYU's plans were to leave the Mountain West, they were going to take some Mountain West teams and take them to the whack. And Utah found out about that. They told the, the commissioner, Craig Thompson, in the Mountain West, and he put a stop to that real quick. So it's interesting to think about where BYU could have been had they not gone to the WCC and taken teams from the Mountain West to the WAC instead because we could be talking about a totally different situation. I, I think back to the interview we had with, uh, with Tim Lacombe, former BYU basketball assistant coach, a couple weeks ago, and he talked about how they walk into their first road game in the WCC and look around and just see this tiny gym filled with no people, and they thought, is this a joke? And they're coming off of the Jimmer years where there should have been a ton of momentum because of three consecutive regular season championships in the Mountain West, and it seems like all progress made in basketball from the Jimmer time and all that success with the teams with you know Lee Kamard and Jonathan Tabernari, that's gone. And it makes you wonder what things could have changed had they stayed with Maybe we we don't know who those teams were that BYU's hoping to pull from the Mountain West to the WAC, but maybe San San Diego State or UNLV or New Mexico, and and just keep those uh, those rivalries and, and fun games alive because those fans had those games had some juice. Those yeah, those, they did. those teams have fans in in you know bigger stadiums, but it, it, I don't know. It's just I'm I'm rambling now, but it's just interesting. <laughs> well, to think, think about, about this. You you talk about the Chris Vanini piece 
And, and look, I think it's worth adding some context here. Craig Thompson was the Mountain West commissioner. Mm-hmm. He retired, and there was, you know, he made the rounds with the media talking about why he's retiring. And that's when he told the story yeah. about Utah's president unraveling BOU's plans, and they had to scramble to get to the WCC. Does that sound like a partnership? Does that sound like a friendship? No way. When you're trying no. to just stay alive in college athletics and your neighbor, friend, whatever word you want to use, goes behind your back and tries to blow you up? No. So why would you advocate for that person to come with you in a similar circumstance? You'd be nuts to do that. And I hope and pray that BYU not only does not advocate for Utah, if 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 they're asked, hey, we're thinking about bringing in Utah in, what do you guys think? I hope they say, absolutely not. No way, shape, or form do we want them in. This is what you're going to get. You want a president who might be flirting with the Big Ten? You want that? I don't think we want that. So I hope they don't. Here's what I hope they do. In fact, this has changed so much over time. Like, we've had this discussion for, like, the better part of a year since since BYU went to the Big 12. Do they expand? Who do they get in? Do not touch Oregon. Do not touch Washington. Those are great brands. They're not so great as evidence that they're stuck in this situation that they're going to bring you more money. And we know that they don't want to be in the Big 12. So don't force them in when we know that they don't want to be there. And if none of the Pac-12 teams want to come to the Big 12 for stability and to play great sports, don't take any of them. You don't have to. Because the, the ACC might be ready for the – you might be ready to pick up some ACC. And now that I'm talking about this, I don't even think I touched the Pac-12. The ACC is ripe for some drama. And maybe you can grab Virginia, Boston College, because you're not going to get Clemson. You're not going to get Florida State. You're not going to get Miami either. But if you could get that B tier of the ACC, four of them, couple them with UCF and West Virginia, then you'd have a nice mix of Central and East Coast. So I think what Brett McMurphy said, and we're going to we're gonna replay that interview at 2.30 if you missed it. Brett McMurphy was great talking about expansion. Just sit back. Let's see what happens. Come to me if you want to be a part of what we're building. Because if you're not, we're not gonna we're not gonna force you into this relationship. It, I, that's never worked. We're trying to make friends or look for a spouse. If you're pushing so hard to make something work, it doesn't work. Like if something forms itself naturally, then great. But I don't get the feeling, Nate, that some of these Pac-12 schools really want to be there. And if they don't really want to be there, then don't bring them in. That, that's my two cents. Got to take a break. Uh, let's wrap up this conference realignment discussion on the other side, and then we'll turn our attention to BOU basketball tonight. Uh, back with more here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday. Matt Biamonte and Nate Slack, Mitch Harper, away with family today. We've been talking a lot about this Pac-12 meteorite saga. We're going to put a bow on it here. If you have any final thoughts on what is happening with the Pac-12 meteorites, BYU's involvement in it all, which is they have no involvement. That was the wrong word to use. But I think BYU fans are, are loving the drama. You just read an interesting fact. Just as, How many days has it been that the Pac-12 has been negotiating the rights? 235 days. <laughs> 235 days with no end in sight, we may add, as rumors are coming out of the woodworks of who is potentially interested. So 
last chance to text us at 57500 and get your thoughts in before we move on to BYU basketball. I love this text from earlier, though. We already have the rivalry on Big 12 every other year, which is he's the texture is referencing the current agreement between BYU and Utah into the future scheduling agreement. Adding Utah really only gets you the rivalry game every second time the game is being played. For those who care about playing Utah, so many BYU fans are actually even not from the state of Utah, and the importance of that game is debatable. I can't speak for Mitch, but Mitch is in that camp that he just doesn't even need it. Yeah, I disagree with that. You need it. I, I need the game. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite game. It's behind Christmas, that's my favorite holiday of the year. BYU-Utah, I need that game every year. So let me pose this question to you. If you need the game every year, you want them in the conference, right? Nope. No, I, I think that So what would you rather have? If you need that game, but you can only have the game if it's played as a conference game, is that enough to get him in, or do you, or do you let the the game come to an end? Oh boy, I think I let it come to an end with with the with the agreement that the game is still played on a on a you know somewhat frequent basis, maybe every two or three years. I still want the game being played. I don't want them in the Big Twelve. I, I just look rivalries, man. I, rivalries is what made me love college football. And me too, but no one gives a rip about rivalries anymore. In terms of, before you jump on me, we all care about rivalries. The TV executives don't care about rivalries. Man, the TV, I, I don't care about the TV executives. I need my <laughs> rivalry games. Give me my give me my Michigan-Ohio State. Give me my USC-UCLA. I need BYU. Well, you're going to get those because they're in the same conference. Uh, you really have to wonder, though. So BYU football, this upcoming fall in Six short months. Yeah. It's coming up. Spring football starts soon, yeah, March 6th. Two weeks, yeah. The schedule that we're getting in the fall is what BYU football is going to be for the foreseeable future. You've got Sam Houston, which is, I guess you can call that your lower level FBS or uh, lower level non FBS game. Cause they Sam, are FBS. They are, but they're moving. First year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you've got SUU. Mm-hmm. At home. Yep. And then you go to Arkansas. Right. You only get one Arkansas-level game of football schedule, Nate. You want that to be Utah? Because we, we know that BYU is not willing because – and look, I'm not criticizing BYU, Nate. It's just – this is what college football is. If you have a, a heavy-hitting conference schedule, you don't test yourself outside of conference except for one game. You want to give up. All other opportunities to keep that Utah game there? Well, I, I will start out by saying this year could have been different. They could have had Arkansas and Tennessee. Tennessee's the one who bought it out. True. Good point. Um, looking at future that schedules That doesn't here. fit my narrative, though, Nate. So no, that's why it, I left that detail out. That's why I'm having to look up future schedules. So let's see. In 2027, BYU is currently scheduled to play at Arizona and home against Utah. 2028 at Utah, home against Ole Miss. Yeah. Currently, that's the key word being used here. We'll Currently. see if that happens. I, I think it'll be okay. I, look, I, what I think makes the biggest difference is having twelve teams be able to make the playoff. Yeah. And so you don't have to run the table anymore. If you're, you know, top two or top three in the Big Twelve, you still have a really good shot at getting in in that top twelve mix. So I, I think it's okay. You you can sacrifice 
a loss in September if you have a chance at still. I just would rather sacrifice the loss playing the Miami Hurricanes than the Utah yeah, U. That's, that's fair. So, or Michigan, or Ohio State, or name a bunch of other teams that would be fun to go visit those give me campuses. Utah, Matt. Oh, give me Utah. Give me a break. Come on, you ripped them for the first ninety minutes. And I still want them. <laughs> I want them. We'll take the break on the other side. The top five. Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Matt Biamonte with producer Nate Slack. No Mitch Harper today. He'll be back next week. This uh, with no Mitch Harper, and we miss Mitch. Uh, we wishing his family the best. He's uh, staying home with family today to celebrate the uh, life of his grandma. That does mean. That me and Mitch can't compete, and I gotta say, I am disappointed. I feel like I gave last week's top five away. I had it, and I let it slip away. Yeah, it was a good one, though. We've we've had some really good top fives the last few weeks. We really have, and you've done a great job. So we, we're gonna mix it up a little bit today. No, no competing, but today is a historic day for BYU sports, Nate. It is their final home game in the WCC. It's about time. After tonight, the next time you see a basketball on that floor, you will see the Big 12 logo in the Marriott Center. Think about that. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? We've been waiting for that for years. Decades. It's also senior night, but more importantly, it's a closure of the WCC. Uh, BYU will be honoring Gideon George and Rudy Williams tonight. We'll discuss that a little bit more in hour number three. So, in honor of the final WCC home game, we thought we'd do a special edition top five favorite moments from BYU's time in the West Coast Conference. The Cougar Sports Saturday Top 5. Mitch and Matt clash in a weekly battle of BYU sports knowledge. Here's the Top 5. Let's get to it. Me and Nate breaking down our favorite moments, our Top 5 favorite moments from BYU's time as a member of the West Coast Conference. I will start things off. My number five is a loss, actually. But the reason it's in here is it felt like it was the closest opportunity BYU ever had to winning the conference tournament. That was 2021. It was discouraging how that game slipped away. BYU had a double-digit lead in the second half down at the Orleans Arena, which I am not going to miss that place one bit. Not at all. The Orleans Arena needs a the Orleans property needs a major renovation. It is not a pleasant place to stay. So it hasn't been fun for BYU at the Orleans Arena. They haven't really threatened to win the league all that much. Twenty twenty one though, they were shooting the lights out. Trevin Nell played some good hoops, and Jalen Suggs just took over. Those type of losses to me are always easier to stomach. Like I, I can sleep well after a loss like that one versus 
what happened this year to St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Mm. Because, look, Jalen Suggs was a lottery pick, and he just balled out at the end of the game. There's nothing you could do about it. Yeah. It's it, A guy just got hot, and you lost. But that, to me, I think was one of my favorite moments of WCC basketball because it, it actually felt like for a moment there that they were going to win the conference tournament. It did not happen, but they got dang close. So that's number five for me. Yeah, no, that's a good pick. My my pick is a freshman year for Nick Emery. He was at San Francisco. I think he dropped 37 points that game. But that was that was really that didn't count though, right? You put you put count. a game in here no, that it, didn't count. It, it didn't count. So his numbers didn't count. BYU won that game. That uh, didn't count either. No, it didn't because it's gone. It's one of the forty-seven <laughs> losses for for Dave Rose. I cannot believe you put a memory that got erased from the record books in your top five. You know, it's a memory for me, Matt. And that's all that matters. <laughs> this is what that list is. Fair enough. So that that was a fun game. That was up on the hilltop. BYU struggled there, um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was. You know San Francisco coming to Provo tonight, but that was that was a game I'll always remember from the from the time of the WCC. What do you got for number four? Number four is St. Mary's Senior Day in 2021. That was a weird game. That was that was a game at BYU, home. At home, so that was a game BYU dominated from start to finish, and I I was one of probably 50 people in that stadium. So COVID uh, shut people out, and there was no fans. And I was sitting on a folding chair behind a folding table on the court. So that was an interesting move. I was I was in the corner. I was on the baseline. This was and, uh, uh, this was when you were under the uh, tutelage of Greg Rubel. No, I was with uh, BYU Athletic Communications. Gotcha. So doing some stuff for them, but it was it was a good time. It, it was a lot of fun. It was it was fun to uh, be up and close, and it was it was a really weird environment because football games when there was no fans, you can't hear the things you can hear in a basketball court. So I, I heard everything. I heard every play being called, every every yell of the ref, every yell from the coach. It was a, it was a lot of fun for me personally. It's probably not a, a game that, you know, sticks out to a lot of people, but it was just something that, you know, I'll, I'll always remember. Anytime you beat St. Mary's, it's worthy of discussion in, sure. in, in a favorite moments list. And my number four is also a St. Mary's win. It was last year's win at St. Mary's. That was a game in which St. Mary's was top 20. They were number 18. BYU had already lost to them earlier in the year. And I don't know what it was about last year's game that it sticks in my mind, but it just felt good to be the underdog and to go in there and to beat them and to hold them to not a lot of points. Like BYU only scored 52 points. And and they got it done. So I, I, I really enjoyed that game from BYU last year beating St. Mary's. Yeah, and that's I, I think that's a game that people forget about a lot. Um, you know, we think about the wins at Gonzaga. Those those are coming later in my list. But I think we only won twice at St. Mary's, and last year was one of those times, and I think people don't remember that as much as they probably should. All right, here's my number three. It wasn't a moment on the floor, but I'm going to say Dave Rose's retirement is in my top five favorite moments of, of the WCC era. He did not have nearly the success I think he wanted to have and that we thought that he would have in the WCC. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. It did not go according to plan because when they joined the WCC, the future was ahead of you with the Lone Peak 3. You felt like, hey, we're just biding our time until we get these guys in here and then we're going to dominate. And that never happened. But I'll never forget watching that interview with Dave Rose. can't really call it an interview. It's more of a press conference at the Marriott Center where he announced his retirement tearful. Uh, you could just tell how much BOU meant to Dave Rose in his in his post-game press conference. And that really resonated with me at the time. 
because it just feels, and we've talked about it all day, how college sports is it's not really about the love of the game, and it's not really about the athlete either. It's about money. How do I get my money? And that's frustrating at times. And every once in a while, you get a glimpse into a player or a coach, and you see a human moment. And it was just so refreshing to hear Coach Rose you know, get emotional about what coaching at BYU meant to him. And you, we can argue whether or not he's the best coach to ever coach at BYU basketball. I think that he is. I think the impact. Yeah, I agree. I think the impact that he made for BYU basketball can't fully be measured. The annex really is a byproduct of Dave Rose. I don't know if if Dave Rose doesn't come in and have the success that he had. Does the annex become a thing? Like that's a major recruiting tool for BYU. Coach Whiting, the women's basketball coach, came on and talked about how important the annex is to recruiting. That is Dave Rose. No Dave Rose, no annex. Look, we know the basketball didn't drive the Big 12 expansion, but that's a, that's a key piece. So I just I loved hearing him talk about what BYU meant, and even though there were frustrations at the end where you felt like BYU was not reaching its potential. Once we watched that press conference with Dave Rose, I think that all went by the wayside, and you loved and respect what he did for BYU. And it's cool to see him still show up at the games. He showed up at the game at Houston a couple years ago, but it's cool he's still part of the program. Yep. My number three is the Gonzaga game in 2017. I believe that was the year where Gonzaga was 29-0. and They came out with some newspapers uh, yes. celebrating their perfect season, <laughs> and then BYU uh, ruins that for them. So. Uh, a lot of fun memories of, of Spokane. I'll always regret not going up to uh, for a game in Spokane, but um, that's number three. Game day was at Spokane today. That was kind of cool to see oh, really? Reese Davis. I, I college that. game day is there, was there. The show's over for Gonzaga and St. Mary's tonight, which is at okay. the same time that BYU and San Francisco is. St. Mary's wins that game. They they outright win the WCC. So it's yeah. a it's a big game. That would be great for the WCC going forward if St. Mary's could win that and still have some uh, credibility within the West Coast Conference. Not that we care. We don't like St. Mary's, but uh, kind of an interesting game there. That was my number two, that game in 2017. No one had BYU winning that game. Nope. No one thought BYU was going to go in and spoil it for Gonzaga, and Eric Mika dominated that game 29-11. and And I'd love to see what he's done in the G League, by the way. I feel like... Mm-hmm. I feel like he's deserving of a call-up, and he might get it. Like He's been pretty impressive. We know that he's played at the Kings a little bit, but he dominated that game. He outplayed Karnowski. Remember that huge yeah, guy? Karnowski, yep. Uh, they were able to hold Williams Goss. Zach Collins was on that team. He's in the NBA now. So that was a very impressive win, and I just Eric Mika was emotional. He was hitting mid-range Jays left and right. That was awesome. Beating them in 2017 in the kennel. Definitely one of my favorite moments. You know, one thing I'm going to miss about the Gonzaga series is is those big guy matchups. You had Mika going up against Karnowski. You had Sabonis and going up against Bronson Kafusi. There were, there were some really good uh, good matchups with the big guys. Number two on my list is St. Mary's in 2020. That's the game where uh, T.J. Haas pulls up top of the key with about 10 seconds left to uh, to pull out the lead, and then and then my cousin Zach Selius closing it out at the end on the defensive side. Um, that was a lot of fun. They gave in 2020. That was a special season. I, I'll always feel bad that BYU never got to finish out that year because of COVID. But, uh, yeah, a lot of fun that season. We don't need to go down this rabbit hole right now, but where would the BYU basketball program be if they went to the tournament and fulfilled all the prophecies 
of the John Rothsteins and Seth Davises who had them as a dark horse Final Four. Right. Who knows what happens? Anyways, uh, we do that a lot, don't we? The, the the what ifs with BYU sports, but it's it's fun. Anyways, number one for me, pretty obvious. Gonzaga twenty twenty, Yoli Childs, T.J. Hodge, Jake Toulson winning in the Marriott Center. Uh, just yeah, I love the end too. I think it was Dalton Nixon. I could be wrong, but when he drove into the lane, jump stop, bounce pass, Connor Harding. Harding, you're Connor right. Harding. You're right. It was Harding. Yep. You're right. Connor Harding, wow, blast from the past. Anyways, yeah. Yoli throws down the dunk. He just felt like it was going to happen at that point. The the rushing of the floor was unbelievable. It was that was that moment honestly was peak WCC. The camping by the Rock, the the Rock was unbelievable. Like the atmosphere was electric. I mean, it was borderline Jim or San Diego State levels electric. It was legit. That uh, that has to go down as the top moment of BYU's time in the WCC. I'll raise you and say that is the top moment of BYU basketball. I think that tops Jimmer in San Diego. Wow! In I was at both games, so you can't give me that. <laughs> I, I was at both games. The, the the thing that did it for me in that game is BYU was a good team, but nobody expected BYU to win that, and BYU was expected to beat San Diego State. They had they'd beat them for you know how many games in a row uh, leading up to that that game in Provo in 2011. But nobody expected BYU to beat Gonzaga earlier that day. Uh, so Gonzaga was ranked number two that day. Earlier, number one had lost. And so if Gonzaga had won, they would have been number one in the country. And then BYU knocks them off. A lot of fun. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I, that was that was such a fun season. I just I feel so sad we didn't get to see what that team could accomplish. Yeah, I agree. Well, there you go. There's our own personal top five favorite moments from BYU's time in the WCC. And that comes to a conclusion Tonight at the Marriott Center, San Francisco in town. And this game does have some impacts for seeding in the upcoming tournament. Let's break that down on the other side, what it means tonight for BYU basketball against San Francisco. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday. In 30 minutes from now, we'll have Brett McMurphy join the program. An interview we had earlier, if you missed that, very insightful on what is happening in college football right now with the Pac 12 media rights and what impact that has for BYU and the Big 12. We'll replay that interview in 30 minutes if you missed it earlier. It's also on our podcast feed, so if you haven't subscribed, we put all of our shows on podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, and if you need a place to get a podcast. The new KSL Sports app is pretty dang cool. You can get our show on that and a lot of great local content. Everything Mitch Harper writes for KSL Sports, you can read on the KSL Sports app, so that's a good place if you want to listen to the show on demand. College football Let's talk about something that isn't as uh, petty as TV deals. <laughs> College football, there's, look, all of these games, I'm talking NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, college sports, 
They have a rules committee, and they're always tweaking things, which I think is great. Like, none of these games are perfect. There's issues in every game. Let's iron those out. So in 2022, just for some historical context, some of the things that were identified by the College Football Rules Committee to fix were appealing targeting penalties. That process changed. That doesn't matter for the game, but it does have an impact on if someone has a targeting penalty and they're going to miss the first half of the next game. BYU benefited that from that twice, I believe. Yeah. One was uh, Judy Lowley, and then there was another um, Slade, I believe. But yeah. Twice. Ethan Slade, yeah, yeah, you're right. I I remember that play. That would have been that was a was that against East Carolina? I, yeah, it was. I can't remember, but you're right. BOU benefited from that rule change last season. They also uh, implemented the Kenny Pickett rule. If you remember from his bowl game where he mm-hmm. faked the faked slide and then took it to the house. Yep. So if you start to slide, that's the end. It's not when you slide; it's when you start to slide. So a lot of random things get addressed in in the offseason for college football to make the game better. A report came out in the week where the decision makers in college football, I imagine this would be commissioners and and other key figures in college football, finished a years-long effort to explore ways to shorten college football games, which I do believe is a problem. Executives of the sport, and this is uh, you know reported by multiple outlets, multiple executives in the sport are moving closer to recommending several clock rule changes to reduce plays in the game for both safety and time of game reasons. So let's get to those reasons. We'll go one by one and let's decide if we like the rule change or not. First proposed Rule change to shorten the game. You will not be allowed to call back-to-back timeouts. How do you feel about that? I'm fine with that. We we saw that a couple times this year. A lot of the times it's it's with icing icing the kicker, right? Um, so it'll be nice to be able to let the game flow a little bit. I, I believe we saw that with the two-point conversions uh, against SMU, where there was a timeout by BYU, a timeout by SMU, and it just felt like that that you know 30 seconds of game time spanned five ten minutes yep. so I, i'm excited for that one to be to be i uh, love that one i if you want to ice the kicker great but you don't need to do it multiple times so right. i'm a big fan of that one i want it to go through second proposed rule change for college football in 2023 no more untimed downs at the end of the first or the third quarter how do you feel about that one i'm indifferent i don't really care that's fine i'm with you go i don't i don't care <laughs> doesn't matter so it's basically I don't really know how much that rule is going to change the length of the game. Yeah. But it's... basically if the first quarter ends or the third quarter ends and there was a penalty, whatever. We'll just pick it up in the in the next quarter. That's right. fine. The next two are where things get interesting. These are proposed rule changes that will f- affect the clock. And notice there's no proposed rule changes to how many advertisements get run during the game. Just uh, throwing that out. Uh number 3 the clock will run after first downs, except for inside the last two minutes of a half or game. So in college football, it's been notorious for a long time that uh, in a, like in a two-minute drill situation, you get that first down, the clock stops, they move the change, then it picks up again. So that would disappear, except for in the final two minutes 
of the first half and at the end of the game. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I'm not. I'm not super crazy about it. But why not? I just feel like it's going to limit possessions between this. That's all right. And, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the next point as well. But I, I feel like it's going to limit two possessions a game, and if that results in you know one or two fewer touchdowns per game, I feel like that's not as fun of football to watch. But as long as they keep it with the last two minutes of the game where the clock does stop on first downs before they set the ball, I'm okay with it. I love it. I think this is a great rule change. And football is just not the same as it used to be. We're on the younger end, but there was once upon a time where you ran the ball more than you threw the ball, and the clock ticked a lot. And then Mike Leach came around and Lavelle Edwards and a bunch of other great, brilliant football minds who started throwing the football a lot more, and the games got longer because there were incomplete passes, and it just wasn't the same. And four-minute commercials, but I digress. <laughs> oh, you're right. The The commercials, we'll get to the commercials in a minute. Anyway, the, the point being, there's a lot more throwing, there's a lot more incomplete passes, and I just feel like, especially when it's not in the critical moments at the end of a half, Sure, let the clock run. If you want to waste it, it becomes a little strategic. Do you right. run more hurry up or do you limit possessions? So I don't I don't mind that at all. And I think that's a good rule change. This is where it gets controversial. The last rule change. The clock will run after an incomplete pass, except for in the last two minutes of the half or the game. Yeah, I feel like this is the one I really struggle with. Just kind of for the same reasons I, I touched on the last one. Just limiting possessions I feel like isn't gonna be great for the game. But talking off air, you know, you mentioned Texas Tech, you may throw the ball 66 times. And if they have 40 incompletions, that can, that's going to drag the game out to be three and a half, four hours long. So that's not what they want. They, they don't, you know, they're trying to limit the number of plays and, and the impact that uh, the players have on their bodies and, and things like that. But I'm not crazy about this one just because I, I hate the idea of limiting possessions. I will say this, though, and I'd love to hear from Cougar Nation as well. Text me. Five seven five zero zero, KSL text line. Do you think there's a problem with the length of the game? Because I do. I think college football is way too long. It's brutal, and you touched on why. It's advertisements. It's advertisements, and it drives me nuts because every every first time out of the game, I'm always looking onto the field to see the ref holding up that neon light sign that says three minutes and fifty five seconds until we're back in action. And it's just it's way too long and I understand why they do it. That's why all these T V money that the T V dollars are so big. But it's it's rough and it makes the games drag on longer than they should be. And I'm just not a fan of it. So I have a fix for this actually. Because yeah, you can't really cut ads because of what you just touched on. They're paying so much money to the conferences to air the games. They have to get paid. Mm-hmm. The type of timeout that I really hate the most, though, is when it's a score, then a timeout, then the kickoff, kickoff and then, then a timeout. timeout. Yeah. That's what; those are the ones that really hurt. Do you give a rip about the halftime show? I don't. That's what I think they should just load that with ads. Yeah, I, cut the halftime show down to two two-minute segments where they're basically glorified cut-ins, where it's like, "Let's go to the studio. Here's what's happening in Clemson." And they show a couple highlights and then back to some ads. I just cut out the studio show. Because when I'm at home, I'm not watching the halftime shows. No, you're flipping to other games that are on. You're flipping to other games. So I think they should just load that 20 minutes with ads, have a really small window of halftime show, and then maybe you can take out the back-to-back touchdown kickoff double ads. So 
it's unreasonable to expect them to take out the ads because they got to pay for they got to pay the bills somehow. But if they could add more ads to halftime, because the halftime length's not going to change. That's still, what is it, 15 minutes, 20 minutes? I, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I yeah. can't even remember. But you're not going to change that. So just put more ads during that just point. minimize the screen on a first down? Minimize the screen, put a little ad up in the corner, let it run during the play. It gets more Okay, more that's visibility. a horrible idea. That's a horrible <laughs> idea. It's, it's better than a four-minute commercial break. It's You're not... Far off, though, there could be moments where instead of going to straight break, it's split screen where the offense is huddling and get you ready for the possession, and then you throw in two minutes of ads while they're talking and running onto the field. So the advertising thing, though, has swung my interest back towards attending games in person. There was a moment in time where it was just so great to watch games on TV. It's not as great anymore. Like, when the game's being played, it's great, but the ads make it really, really painful. And you don't get a lot of cut-in time for what's happening when the game's not being played. Yeah, and we've been in different games across the country, been in different stadiums, and I feel like at BYU especially, the activities and things they put on during the commercial breaks, it's really good. It's, it's really entertaining. It's, that's when Cosmo's you know, jumping off a ladder into a cake or, <laughs> or whatever he's doing. Uh, but it's, it's, I think, feel like BYU does a really good job at keeping the fans engaged during those commercial breaks. Yeah, Kind of interesting how that will shake down. And it, I thought it was noteworthy that this has been a multi-year exploration to figure out how to shorten games. And it feels like some of these things, if not all of these things, are going to make their way to implementation in the fall. So uh, something to note, rule changes coming in college football to shorten the games. Let's go to a break here on the other side. Let's go back to hoops. Give you a preview for BYU in San Francisco tonight in the Marriott Center. 7 p.m. pregame here on KSL News Radio. 8 p.m. tip. You can find it right here on the home of the Cougars. Uh, KSL News Radio. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday. Been a fun show today. It is senior night tonight for BYU basketball. They are hosting the Dons of San Francisco. BYU is 16 and 14 on the year. They have a losing record in the WCC. They're 6 and 9. San Francisco is 18 and 12 on the year. They are 7 and 8 in WCC play. And they just extended their winning streak to three games on Thursday night with a three point win over Portland at War Memorial. The name that probably comes to mind for San Francisco is Khalil Shabazz. He led the Dons in their scoring against Portland 30 points on senior night for San Francisco Thursday night. He can really fill it up. It will be a challenge for BYU to defend Khalil Shabazz, who has had some big games against BYU in the past. And, and tonight, they will uh, BYU basketball, from a senior night perspective, they'll be honoring Rudy Williams and Gideon George their final game. I think it's safe to say for both of those players, their careers did not pan out like we wanted them to on the court, but I think both of them did have a positive impact for BYU basketball. Gideon George, what he's done off the floor with the shoe drive has been really impressive. Just his ability to pay it forward, so to speak, and to help children in Africa with the shoe drives, that has been really cool. And I hope that BYU continues that every year going forward. Just yeah. call it the Gideon George, shoot, you know, whatever you want to. 
But that has been really impactful, and it's been fun to see how many BYU fans have shown up to that and donated, and it's been really impactful. So Gideon George off the floor has been a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. On the floor, it's been a mixed bag. Yeah, There have been moments of brilliance with Gideon George where you really see him as an effective two-way player. And I think he's always been a great defensive player. This year he's been really good on the glass, but the offense, man, it's just it's too inconsistent. It's it's painful at times for him to dis. I mean, he was a no show offensively in their loss at St. Mary's. Right. Didn't even show up on the offensive end. So that has been tough to see for Gideon George. That the talent was there, the athleticism was there, the measurables were there, the consistency was not there because. That did worked out in the NBA last year. Like he's got the tools, it's just not there enough. Yeah, isn't that crazy to think about? There were there was chatter about him possibly not even coming back to college at all next or last year, and then he enters the portal. You know, he ends up coming back to BYU. But I think the thing that fans will remember, whether you know, it's kind of bittersweet. They'll always remember his shoe drives and, and that sort of thing. But he was he's an incredible rebounder, such a good rebounder, but. The, the thing that hurts him is just what, what you talked about is offensive inefficiencies. And it's, it's frustrating because of how much time he's been on the court the last three years. And I just feel like there still hasn't been that jump that we expected to see from him. You know, he's getting interviewed by the Warriors last year and the Kings. And there was all this talk about this could be the next NBA guy for BYU. Who, BYU doesn't have NBA guys very often. And he just wasn't able to make that jump that we were hoping to see from him. Rudy Williams, there's been moments of brilliance. He was great in that Utah game. I think BYU fans will always love him for delivering a rivalry win against Utah. And against San Francisco last time, he played great too. He was great against Santa Clara and San Francisco on the road. But I don't know what happened to Rudy Williams. I I really don't. It's going to take some time to unpack it because has he been bad? No. Rudy Williams has been a good player for BYU. But he didn't blossom until he went to the bench. And then once he became the sixth man, it felt like he really settled in. And I just don't know if there was maybe some coach mishandling on his role. And you can't blame him for it because there's, the team was so new. There were so many people. You were trying to figure things out. So you know, I'm, I'm not going to be critical of the coaches for that. But it didn't seem like he fit in the starting lineup. And then when he went to the bench... He fit a lot more, but then his minutes have been kind of weird too. Like there's been, it's that is my one big criticism of the coaching staff this year is it doesn't feel like most players knew what their role was from game to game. Dallin Hall, after he got put in the starting lineup, okay, you're the starter, but even then he doesn't finish every game, so you don't know who's going to finish. Foose, you know, Foose is legit, and you know what Foose is. Everyone else, it's like. Am I going to play tonight or not? So, I just, Rudy Williams, I think it's been a bunch of different things that have led to kind of a mixed bag. There have been those high moments that I touched on. There's been some you know, head-scratching performances, too, where you just wondered what happened. And, unfortunately, I think Rudy Williams will kind of go down like T. John Lucas and Brandon Averett. Yeah. Good transfer portal additions, but didn't really move the needle a whole lot. Yeah, and it's too bad because that's one thing that concerns me going forward is just just what you said. You know, we've we've been pulling in these transfer point guards and and if if they're not having the impact that we want them to have, is it going to hurt BYU pulling 
point guards from the transfer portal in the future because that seems to be a, a big game of of uh, Pope's recruitment is is pulling guys out of the portal. But if there's point guards this off season who see what BYU's done with their last three point guards out of the portal, are they really going to want to come to BYU yeah. or are they going to lean more towards another program? Yeah, that's a good point. Before we get to a break, news, traffic, and weather coming up in a few minutes. What's your prediction for the game? Um, man, uh, it's tough. It's tough with this team because they could win by 20 like we saw against LMU a couple weeks ago, or they could lose by 15. So I, I'm going to err on the side of, a, of of optimism, and you know I think BYU is going to come together and, and play well for a senior night. I think BYU pulls it out tonight. Let's say – 60, uh, let's go 76-70, to 70. so BYU pulls it out by 6. I feel the same way. I have no reason to feel that way. They're on a losing <laughs> streak, but it just feels like senior night. Fans will be there. I think that'll help carry them into a big win against San Francisco. Yeah. Taking the break, news, traffic, and weather, and then Brett McMurphy on the other side. Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday right here on KSL News Radio each and every Saturday, noon to 3, breaking down college football and BYU. And right now we want to get out to the phone line and bring on Brett McMurphy. He's a college football insider with the Action Network, and he's well-connected within the world of college football. And, Brett, it seems like college football these days, it's, it's 24-7, 365. Uh, does it feel like there's much of an offseason? And, and even right now, uh, like in years past, it feels like expansion, media rights, or these are stories that never go away. And before we get into what's going on with the Pac-12, i got to ask you, how did the Pac-12 even – get in this situation to where they're trying to figure out what's next for the conference? You know, it, uh, with everything related to conference realignment, it's, it's really timing. And, um, you know, that dictates a lot what happens with these conferences, uh, you know, going back even further, you know, in the ACC and the big East, we're kind of battling to, to be the avoid being the worst of the automatic six qualifying conferences. Uh, the ACC made some moves, and you know the Big East uh, football, may it rest in peace, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And now you kind of you see the same thing happen with the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve. And I think what happened was Brett Yormark, um, you know, made a gamble, but it's paid off. He moved their media rights up for the Big Twelve a year early. Some people thought he got less money. Um, I would say he basically got the same amount of money without OU in Texas. And that was a major victory. But a lot of people said, well, you left money on the table. Well, maybe so. But what he did is he secured the future of the conference for the next half dozen years. And also, he I don't think he knew this was going to happen, but he also capped the value of the Pac-12. And then since the Pac-12 decided to wait, it didn't get anything done. Now you have seen have seen some financial difficulties with ESPN and streaming services. And so now the money that was there six, three, six, nine months ago is no longer available because of what's happened to these companies financially. And so that kind of puts the PAC 12 in a, in a challenging position right now. And then they've also got the uncertainty of what's going to happen with Oregon and Washington. Is the big 10 going to still expand? I, people I talk to still tell me the big 10 is still going to expand. Now it may not happen in two weeks or two months, but it could happen in a, in a couple of years. And that obviously will impact the, the future of the PAC 12. So, you know, it, it's funny if the PAC 12 would have done their deal earlier before the big 12, we may be discussing what's going on with the big 12 right now, but unfortunately for the PAC 12, it, it, uh, it didn't work out for them, but we'll have to see where they end up. 
You touched on Brett Mar- Yormark, who's coming up. Uh, you know, really, it's only been like what six months since he's been on the job. What do you make of the job that he's done? You're not coming from a college background, but as you mentioned, you know, maybe securing the future of the Big Twelve. What do you make of the job he's done so far? Yeah, well, I mean, you just look at what he's done, and it's been it's been remarkable. I mean, you know, again, get, go back, and I know, you know, you got BYU. But I don't <clears throat> I don't remember the timeline of BYU. Well, obviously, BYU had not been invited to the Big 12 yet. But when OU and Texas, you know, announced they were leaving the league, you know, it was like, oh, the Big 12's gone. It's going to collapse. What's left? There's nothing there. And, you know, your mark comes in and, you know, Big 12 adds BYU, obviously, and, and the three American schools. And then he gets a new media rights deal. Again, it, it's the same amount per school that it was with OU in Texas. So that was huge for the league to create the stability for the league. I think one thing that has helped Brett Yormark and the Big 12, and look, I'm an Oklahoma State guy, so if I'm going to diss the conference <laughs> that's coming <laughs> from one of their own, I think right. one of the reasons that the Big 12 kind of has security right now when we talk about the Pac-12 doesn't is because, to be very honest, nobody wants any of the Pac- of the Big 12 schools. The Big Ten doesn't want any. The SEC got Oklahoma and Texas. The ACC, they're kind of in their own little gated community, all trying to to tunnel out underneath and get to other conferences. So they don't want any Big 12 schools. So kind of because of that, the fact that it's kind of funny or ironic, nobody wants the Big 12 schools. They actually are more stable than the Pac-12. Um, but certainly your, what your mark did with the TV deal with getting, obviously adding BYU is huge, adding UCF Houston and Cincinnati is huge. Um, and then being able to negotiate the buyout with Oklahoma and Texas for them to get out a year early. You know, some people think, oh, you should have made them stay another year. I, I don't agree with that. If, if, you know, if you're in a relationship and you decide, hey, it's over. Um, no one says, okay, you're, you're moving out in three and a half years, you know, so <laughs> right. it's best for parties to split as soon as possible, but, but your Mark's done a, done an unreal job and he's not shy. He's a Newark guy and he's been very vocal. I, I don't think the big 12 is done expanding. Now I think a lot of that depends on what happens with the PAC 12, but certainly if some PAC 12 schools become available, the big 12 will certainly uh, be reaching out to them and maybe the league grows to, to 16 schools. We're speaking with Brett McMurphy. He's a college football insider with the Action Network, and you can follow him on Twitter at Brett underscore McMurphy. You touched on the Big 12, maybe not being done expanding. We know that Brett Yormark has said publicly that he's going to be aggressive. What do you think the next moves for the Big 12 should be if they're going to expand? Well, I think, you know, I think right now they're they're fine to stay where they're at and see what happens with the, with the Pac-12. If, you know, it may depend on the Big Ten making the first move and grabbing Oregon and Washington. And then if that happens, I think it seems pretty obvious at this point. The Big 12 would then look at Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Another possibility is, you know, we're still waiting to see what happens with the Pac-12 grant of rights. You know, I reported a couple of weeks ago, CBS and Turner are no longer involved. Sports business or the New York Post reported it could be Apple that gets the deal. Um, ultimately, if the Pac-12 deal is, you know, 
substantially less than what the Big 12 got. And again, it depends on your definition of substantially. Is that $2 million? Is that $5 million? Is that $10 million? I don't know. That's up to those Pac-12 schools. But if it is less than what the Big 12 got, then maybe some of those Pac-12 schools would look to come join the Big 12. So I think, you know, what he should do and what he can do are probably two different things. And it ultimately, I think, depends on, A, if the Big Ten does anything, grabs, you know, plucks any more teams out west to join USC and UCLA, and B, um, what the Grant of Rights deal is with the Pac-12 and what it's worth, I think that will that will ultimately decide if, if the Big 12 goes beyond uh, 12 and adds those Pac-12 schools. I do know this. There's been reports that the Big 12 has been talking to Fresno State. Uh, look, you know, you and I are talking. That doesn't mean we're married or we're going to be married. Right. Um, everybody talks to everybody in college athletics this, these days. The Big 12 is not adding Fresno State. It's not adding UNLV. It's not adding – it's not any. It's not adding any group of five. If the Big 12 expands, it will be by adding current Power Five members, obviously, from the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has talked with, visited. You you just broke it down perfectly. They're they're talking with a lot of people. But I think a a lot of people in the college football world think that San Diego State makes a lot of sense for Pac-12. Would there be any value from a Big 12's perspective in in trying to grab maybe a SMU or a San Diego State and – to kind of handicap the Pac-12, or is that just not make any sense in your opinion? Not really, because and this isn't this isn't a you know this isn't to be derogatory against San Diego State or SMU, but you know, quite frankly, the Big Twelve doesn't doesn't need them over the Pac-12 schools. Um, there's a reason that they don't have SMU right now. They're all, they're already well represented in the state of Texas, TCU, Tech, Baylor. They just added Houston. Adding another Texas school does not do anything for them. Um, you know, San Diego State is a little bit different in that you would get the Southern California market. However, it still is, you know, considered a group of five school. And again, this is based on, this is not my opinion. This is based on what the TV networks deem these schools, their value as. Um, obviously, BYU as a national brand, they bring a lot of value to the Big 12 market in the big big 12 tv deal san diego state though yeah they're in they're in southern california but they're not the top team in that market so um you know i don't think it necessarily would be smart for the big 12 to go get san diego state i think they need to wait and see what happens with uh the rest of the pac-12 now if you tell me that the pac-12 stays at 10 schools and they don't add san diego state and the big 12s at at 12 um, then maybe you may look at them, but really, I, I think they would be fine to stay at twelve. I also feel like you know there, there's been reports that you know your mark has talked to Gonzaga that that's a possibility. I, I you know my opinion on Gonzaga, I don't think Big Twelve should add them. The, the basketball league is already insane. Um, right. If you're able to get it, if you, I mean, if you're able to get Arizona in that mix, it's only just going to get crazier. And then plus, you know, what happens with Gonzaga after Mark Few leaves? He's not going to coach there forever. And it, I compare that to Brad Stevens at Butler. Any any basketball conference would have killed to have Butler, but Butler is not the same without Brad Stevens. Mark Few, when he leaves Gonzaga, is not Gonzaga is not going to be the same. They'll still be successful, but they're not going to be 
the team they are, the program they are now. And um, also just their, you know, I know geography doesn't seem to matter anymore in conference realignment, but they're kind of way up there, you know, in the, in the top or up left uh, corner of your map. So I just, I don't think, you know, for me, if I was commissioner, I would, I would kind of sit back on Gonzaga and you've got, you've got bigger priorities than to try to bring them in as a basketball only member. One more question here for Brett McMurphy, the college football insider with the Action Network. This will be like a, sort of an on-the-field question, even though we're months and months away from playing football on the field. And here in Utah, we just got blasted with a huge snowstorm, so we don't feel like football is anywhere <laughs> around the corner. But the Big 12 has been an interesting conference uh, recently in terms of just feels like you never know who's going to jump up and and win the league. Like Kansas State won the league this year, but TCU was the story going to the national championship game. And before that, Baylor really turned things around quickly under Dave Aranda. Now they add the four new teams, including BYU. How do you think this conference will shake out this year with the new members? And, and maybe a side note to that, where do you think BYU fits in their first year in this new power league? Well, last year, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't really like to pat myself on the back, but I'll make an exception. I actually, <laughs> uh, I actually picked TCU as one of my, as a my dark horse to win the league. Now, that sounds great, except, you know, I'm sure your listeners will say, well, you're not that smart because they didn't win the league. And you're right, Kansas State <laughs> won the league. Um, you know, it's funny since, since Oklahoma and Texas announced they're leaving the SEC, who has been in the Big 12 title game? Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Kansas State, four different teams. I honestly have no idea how this season will will um will play out. And I, I say this jokingly, but I, I'm I'm serious. Bef- whenever we do I do my prediction shows uh this summer uh, for the Action Network, for our podcast and online and different things, I'm literally going to pick two names out of a hat because I will have as good a chance to to pick who's in it, going to play in the Big 12 title game than if I sit here and break down everything. I think that's how competitive the league will be. I think that's how evenly balanced it is. Um, you know, I think BYU is going to do well. I, certainly they they are different than, I think, the, uh, the American schools, where the American schools, they would play one or two Power 5 teams out of league, and then, you know, they have some tomato cans in conference play. Where, you know, you know this, B, I mean, BYU had, you know, they had some tomato cans, but they also had, you know, up to five power five schools or more. Um, so they know what it's like week in, week out to play that type of type of competition. Um, so I think I think BYU is going to do very well. They could, yeah, The good news is, like everyone else, they could win the thing or they could finish uh, near the bottom. But uh, right. I, I think it's going to be just fascinating to, to, to follow this league and. Um, it's really going to be competitive. Now, hopefully, you know, everybody doesn't beat each other up and eliminate some, the champion from the college football playoff. Obviously, TCU was able to, to you know, kind of navigate the league last year. Um, if you're looking for a dark horse, uh, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Uh, I've, I've got them in my way too early top 25 rankings. They return a, a ton of folks. And they kind of remind me of, of TCU last year. They're unbelievable on offense. Um, yeah, I'm not telling your listeners anything, but that's that's what uh, BYU fans will enjoy is a lot of offense. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That sounds great, Brett. Uh, maybe after spring ball and rosters get a little more set, we can talk some, uh, you know, some more football as we get closer to uh, the 2023 season. Sounds great.
Hey, Brett, thank you. Take care. Thank you. That's Brett McMurphy. We'll take a break here on Cougar Sports Saturday. It's been a great show, Cougar Sports Saturday. And special thanks to Brett McMurphy of the Action Network breaking down what the heck is going on in college football right now with the media rights deals. But let's wrap up the show with producer Nate Slack right now in Cougar Tales. What do we got, Nate? We got Cougar Tales, baby. Keeping it nice and nice and simple this week. BYU baseball goes 0-4 this week against Ooh. Louisiana Tech and Louisiana Lafayette. They're currently playing the final game of the series, but a bit of a rough week for them. Also a rough week for BYU softball. After going 5-0 on a trip to Arizona, they're currently 0-3 in California. And it just made me wonder what kind of a toll BYU baseball and softball play uh, by playing on the road the first six weeks of the season? It's a good question, and I think it's not just unique to baseball and softball, Nate. I think anytime you start off on the road that much in college sports, it's hard because it doesn't matter how many people you have coming back, you never bring the same team back. There's always new pieces, and in BYU baseball's case, uh, Trent Pratt, he's the new full-time manager. I, I know he was there at the end of last year, but now it's his full-time Look, you got to find yourself as a team, and it's a little harder on the road early on. So I, I don't think this is indicative of, of what they'll be going forward, but kind of a rough start for both teams. I agree. On a brighter note, similar to how BYU basketball has senior night tonight, BYU gymnastics had senior night last night. They took down Utah State, scoring 196 for uh, point four fifty to 195.425. They beat them by one point. Beating by a point, so a nice point finish for the season. That's great. And then, of course, coming up tonight, BYU basketball. They'll play their final home game in the WCC hosting San Francisco. Pre-game starts at 7 p.m. right here on KSL News Radio Tip at 8 p.m. Can't wait for that. Thanks to you, producer, uh, producer Nate, and our board off Dave Meekum. Great show. We'll see you next week. Mitch will be back next week. Yep. Be glad to have him back. So until then, have a great week, well, weekend, and thanks for listening to Cougar Sports Saturday. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.